lot of scripture this morning, but um, I'm going to eventually get to Romans chapter 12 and look at verse 1. This morning, what I want to do, and I'm trying to make it a little bit more brief, I don't know if that's a word, briefer, um, since I know we got some young ones in here, I'll try not to hold your attention too long. But um, I'm going to pick something up that I started last spring. We were talking about holistic spiritual formation. If you remember, we kind of defined what holistic spiritual formation was, and, and really what it comes down to is, is sanctification. It's kind of some buzzwords, some, some cooler words maybe used in the church today, holistic meaning everything. Um, spiritual formation, the idea of something being formed that... What we find in the Bible a lot of times is it's the clay and God being the potter who's molding the clay and so forth. And um, there's a PowerPoint we used before that, that I want to bring back up. Nathan, can you bring up the first slide? That that gives a model of spiritual formation. This is um, uh, a picture that I borrowed from one of my professors at Regent who teaches a lot on spiritual formation. But, you know, the idea that we would be conformed into the image of God, the Imago Dei, that, that God is conforming us and transforming us more and more into his image. And a lot of times when we think about our spiritual life, we only think of what's at the top there, the spirit, that we would be forming the spirit, reading the Bible, praying, coming to church, giving, doing certain things like that. But some of the other areas we don't always think um, as being part of our spiritual formation process. And we looked at relationship formation and how vital it is to be in unity as we're in unity with God, that we're in unity with others. We looked some at emotional formation, and we also looked at um, work or vocational formation a little bit. And we put this down coming into the summer a little bit, and, and we've been on this this idea the last, um, I don't know, month or so that's followed our um, life group material about loving people and, and how we put that into action and just responding to some of the stuff that's been taking place in our society. But I wanted to pick this back up. And, and then I, Jennifer and I talked two or three months ago about doing this Rebuild the Temple. And I thought, well, this is going to work fine and perfect to pick it back up here on the heels of what's coming up this weekend. And so a lot of this is encouragement for us to begin to think um, beyond just reading our Bible and praying, but, but what do we need to do in order for our bodies, our souls, spirit, and, and body to, to give honor and glory to God? And you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. And that's one of the first verses I remember reading or hearing when I got saved as a teenager. And I thought, man, all this old stuff is gone. All that, that whatever it was is gone. And some things went away very quickly. But then other things stayed and they lingered and they continued to be part of, of my life. And, and I was really confused. If this scripture is the case where all the old is past and, and the new things have come, then, then why do I still have some of the old and, and some of the new and so forth? And I remember my youth leader asking that question to my youth leader, and, and he was explaining to me sanctification, the process of God conforming and transforming us more and more into his image. It's a process, and it doesn't happen overnight in any ways. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 was one of the uh, scriptures we've used back in the spring and early summer. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May God himself He's the one that's going to do it. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul divides this into those three areas, spirit, soul, and body. 
And, and when you looked at, it's not up there now, but when we, that first slide, when you, when you think about that, those seven areas, they either fall into the body, the spirit, or the soul, or, or they overlap in some way. God wants to transform us in all areas of our life. And we talked in the spring, we talked before about kind of two extremes or, or even two things that sometimes are, are, are attached to this process that, that I think are not always correct. One is that God's going to do all the work himself and all I need to do is kind of just, just sit here and, and let it happen by osmosis or diffusion or some other scientific term. But it doesn't always work that way. There's a participation that's required of us. It doesn't, doesn't mean we have to do it all on ourselves. And that's kind of the other side, is if this is going to happen, if I'm, if I'm going to take care of my emotions and, and, and have them glorifying God or, or my relationships, then I'm going to have to do it in my own strength and my own way. And those are kind of two sides. Either God does it fully and completely and I have nothing to do with it, or I do it fully and completely and God really has nothing to do with it. God does most of this process, but he wants us to be actively participating in it. There's a quote, um, Nathan, bring up the second slide, by um, Created in God's Image, the author Anthony Hokima. He says this, he, he defines sanctification as this, that gracious and continuing operation of the Holy Spirit. The gracious and continuing operation of the Holy Spirit involving our responsible participation by which the Spirit progressively delivers the regenerated person from the pollution of sin and enables him or her to live to the praise of God. That's the idea of, of holistic spiritual formation or sanctification. That we allow God, it's lordship. You, again, here's that word lordship that continues to kind of come forth over and over and over. That we stand before God and we say, okay God, it's not my life, it's your life. Do what you want. But we don't just stand there and, and, and wait for something to happen. We participate with God as he leads and directs and challenges us and encourages us and ask us to get out of the boat, and ask us to, to stay or to move and do all these different things. Sanctification is about being conformed more into the image of God. It's that we don't stay the same today, but he's changing us as we allow him to do that. Now one of these slides, let's go back to the first one. One thing that, that when we looked at this, and I was kind of explaining each one, this physical health and wellness, I kind of skipped over very quickly. Because I know that when you bring it into the church, it, it gets a little bit sensitive. Now, how many of you ever heard a sermon on Sunday morning on physical health and wellness? One. Yeah, very few or two. Very few have probably heard this because the church doesn't talk about it a lot of times. Let's talk about the spiritual part. Let's talk about the emotional part. Let's talk about resource part because you've got to give, you know, all those things. But when it comes to physical, it's, it's you, you take care of that. And maybe it's because as pastors... We're not trained in seminary necessarily with nutrition classes where I'm not a dietitian and, and I'm, I'm not a doctor in any way either. So you know, we don't have that, that training, so maybe we're uncomfortable with it. But we have to have some attention drawn to our physical health and wellness because the way that our body functions, it affects other areas of our life. If you don't sleep well and you're tired when you get up in the morning, you're probably not going to get into your word. Or if you do, you're probably going to fall asleep. You're going to kind of go through life or through the day just, just kind of dragging along. And that's not what we want. You know, we, we honor God through our physical bodies. And also the way that we physically feel affects so many areas of our life. And as we come into Romans chapter 1, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now when you see the word therefore in Scripture, you know that it's summing up or, or it's putting the, the action to all the stuff that's been written before. It's, it's summarizing, now you need to do this. So as Paul says, therefore, by the mercies of God, he's telling us basically what is, what is happening in, in Romans 11, or 1 through 11. By the mercies of God, how gracious and merciful God has been that we have a response. In Romans 1 through 11, if you're familiar with it and if you're not, Paul lays out a very detailed, a very logical, very great um, argument and presentation of God's mercy. He starts from the beginning in chapter 1 saying that, that Jew, Jews and Gentiles, none of us are, are without guilt because we should have seen God from the very beginning. In creation, we can see God. We stand before God. And he talks in, into chapters 2 and 3 about sin and, and how we are sinners and the wages of sin is death and, and that we're separated from God. And he gets into chapter 5. And he says that while we were yet sinners, Christ laid his life down for us. That we have peace with God. That we can come to the throne of grace with boldness and, and, and with confidence. That's echoed by our Hebrews writer as well. That while we were yet sinners, God laid his life down for us. And he goes into chapter 6 and in 7 he starts talking about the, the battle, the civil war that takes place inside of us between the flesh and the spirit. That we do not what we want to do and, and the things I do are not always the thing that are honoring to God. And he, he's talking about that and he goes into chapter 8, 9, 10, 11 and, and, and really as he comes into 12 talking about how God is with us. How God has a plan for us. How God wants to use us. But in, in view of all that mercy that we deserve absolutely nothing. We should be outside the presence of God. That we should not even have relationship with God. We should be taking care of our own sin. That God in His mercy chose to lay His life down for us. That we have a response. In view of that mercy, in view of that great love, in view of what God has done, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. This isn't, hey God, you scratched my back and I'm going to scratch your back, God, or tick for tat. That this is, this is a, a business negotiation or contract. It's out of God's great mercy and God's great love for each and every one of us that we respond to that love. You see, we see it in relationships, parent relationships to their children, or, or a husband-wife relationship, or, or a friend relationship, that, that we respond to the other person because of the love they've shown us, not because we owe them one. And the same is with God. He says, present your bodies. Now, he's not just talking about physical bodies here. He's talking about every aspect of who we are, our spirit and our soul and our body as a living sacrifice, as one that's continuing on, not a one and done, not just a one-time thing, but also one that's holy and pleasing, one that's set apart, this being our spiritual act of worship. Now this morning I want to talk more about the body. I'm going to, I'm going to pull body maybe out of context here a little bit and talk about our physical bodies. And as, I, and as we talk about some of the stuff with physical um, wellness and, and health, you know, I'm not an expert in this field. You know, I'm not a dietitian. I'm, I'm not a nutritionist. But, but I do think there's, there's some practical things that, that, that can be said. And, and my purpose in this is that we would begin to think through some of this stuff. You know, about a year and a half ago, 
um, I was having all this indigestion, and I wasn't sleeping well at night, and I couldn't ever figure out necessarily why all this stuff was going on. I thought, well, it's spicy food. I love spicy food. So I cut out all the spicy food, and it was still happening. And I thought, well, maybe it's soft drinks. You know, I was drinking a lot of soft drinks, and I noticed that once I cut out soft drinks, some things begin to change. But I also realized that I wasn't sleeping well because I was staying up late and having to get up early. And so I had to begin to to look at some of my habits, the way that I was living my life. Some of the things that the world says is is cool or or macho or all that, it wasn't jiving with my body for some reason. And so this morning, as, as as we get into this, I really want to talk about four areas. Nutrition, physical exercise, sleep, and, and rest, o- along with um, the opposite of rest, which I would say is stress. Now, I realize this is a sensitive topic because, you know, our emotions, we can, we can hide that for the most part. Our relationships, we can hide that. Our intellect, we can hide that. But when we start to talk about physical body, our bodies are on display. You know, it's what, it's what our spirit's living in. This is, this is the vessel, the temple. And so when, when I say stuff this morning, I'm not saying anyone's unfit. I'm not saying anyone's unhealthy. I'm not saying anyone's um, got heart problems. I'm not saying anyone's fat. I'm not saying any of that stuff. The heart is that we would examine our habits and begin to look at our habits and change our habits where we need to change those. So first I want to talk about nutrition. And really what I want to talk about is, is drinking food. What, what are we drinking on a daily basis? And I would encourage each and every one of us to drink water as much as you can. A lot of us already drink water, but some of us don't like water. I grew up not liking water. I always, I still, I, sometimes I have to flavor water just a little bit with a, you know, a little bit of apple juice or a lot of coffee or something like that. Um, <laughs> but bottled water somehow works out great for me. I don't know what it is. But we have to understand our bodies are made up primarily of water. Our brain's even made up of more water. Water carries nutrition or uh, nutrients to our cells. It flushes toxins out of our body. It does many more things than that um, that others could probably go into to, in much greater detail. There's benefits to water. What are we putting in? You know, today what we find are a lot of soft drinks, a lot of energy drinks, a lot of drinks with sugar which has an effect upon our bodies in, in many ways. I remember Karen and I, we did a Daniel fast with Jamie and Laura Bonnet five, six years ago. And if you remember, uh, Laura, she, she, was, um, you know, she had some things that she didn't like to eat or necessarily affected her body. So, so we went hardcore Daniel fast. It was like no milk, no cheese, no wheat products. I mean, it was, it was hard to find food. We were, we were eating tofu all the time. And, I mean, we gave coffee. But I remember after the withdrawal of all that sugar and, and stuff, about four or five days and having major headaches, even though we were getting a lot, not that much sleep because we had young ones in the house, we felt so good because we weren't putting a lot of sugar in our body. We weren't drinking the soft drinks and stuff like that. And so I just want to encourage you, what are you drinking? What are you putting in? You know, soft drinks, sports drinks, even coffee, it's not a substitute for the water that we need. And, and I've heard, you know, you need so many cups a day, eight ounces, um, or eight eight-ounce cups, or six eight-ounce cups and stuff like that. You need a lot of water, so drink water. Food, what are you putting into your body? You know, our bodies are designed to run off certain foods better than other foods. You know, at, the, at the top of that is probably fruits and vegetables versus junk food and fatty food and stuff like that. I'm not saying that we don't need some food that has fat content in it at times. But also we have food that has a lot of sugar in it. And Carrie 
tapped me on the shoulder about the bake sale and said, it's all going to be fruitcakes next week, so don't, don't worry about any of that. So um, <laughs> we, can, we can have some splurges every now and then. And, and that's what I'm saying is, is we don't have to be so legalistic about it. Um, and each person has to kind of figure out what, what they need to do in order to get, to get healthier and better with this. But again, I think, you know, sugar that's there within our system can cause heart disease, it can cause diabetes, it can cause high blood pressure, it can cause obesity. And we have to, to again, understand that sometimes there's subtle ways sugar's getting into our body, s- drinks, and, and some of the foods that, that are supposed to be low in sugar but really aren't, or they have, they have artificial flavors or sugars within them. And so nutrition, again, that's about as far as I'm going to go with it. But my thing in this is, how are you eating and how are you drinking? What are you putting into your body? Because what I don't want, and I, and I know I've said this already, is anyone going away feeling guilty or condemned, but just being aware. Okay, let me just look at my, my, my daily routine or my weekly routine. I'm eating out seven times a week. Maybe that's not the best. Or maybe I'm, I'm drinking four to two liters by lunchtime. Maybe that's not the best. And beginning to pare some of that down so, so that you feel better. Second is physical exercise. I looked up some statistics. It says the percent of 18-year-olds and older who meet or met the physical activity guidelines for aerobic physical activity, so that's, that's more cardiovascular, was 49% of people hit those guidelines. That means over half did not. The percent of 18-year-olds and older who met physical activity guidelines for both aerobic physical activity and muscle strengthening activity was 20.8%. Another survey said that 20.6 people or of people over 18 um, get the total recommended amounts of exercise. 23% of men and 18% of women in that study. And that most likely group of people to exercise are those between 18 and 24. When you look around, you don't see a lot of 18 and 24-year-olds here this morning, which means all of us probably fall outside the 18 to 24 age group, which means we may not be exercising the way that we need to. The CDC says 80% of adults don't get the necessary exercise. Our bodies are designed to move, and God created our bodies to renew themselves somewhat naturally through exercise and movement, through physical activity. There's benefits in exercise. Sometimes we make it a little more difficult um, that we have to go to the gym and be in the gym so long, but there's other ways that we can move. Instead of taking the elevator, you can take the stairs. You know, one thing I do is, you know, we, we have a pretty big yard, and we have a riding lawnmower, but I, I usually push the front yard, at least get 15 minutes of exercise. So, so when I'm pushing, I get my 15 minutes, I just stop mowing and say, all right, Josiah, Nathan, you take over from, from there. But, but I'm looking at, at mowing because I don't necessarily like to mow. And it's a lot easier to ride the whole yard on that mower. But let me use this as a little bit of exercise. There's creative ways. You can run up the stairs. You can see yard work as exercise. You can walk. You can park further away at Walmart or Target and walk. I mean, instead of driving and circling around for that close spot, why don't you just get away a little bit? We need to exercise. You know, a a few, um, I guess it was about six weeks ago, Josiah and Nathan said, hey, let's play some football. I'm like, all right, let's play some football. Nathan was having some ankle problems. And so usually I'm the all-time quarterback. You know what all-time quarterback does in this? They just stand there. Just stand there and throw the ball. There's no movement. Takes all the criticism for the bad passes and no glory for the good passes. And um, so Nathan was having ankle problems, and, and so he, he said, I, I've got to be quarterback today. And I thought, oh, gosh, 
<laughs> so I did my little quick stretch. All right, let's go. And we were playing like five touchdowns each or something like that. And so about halfway through, I felt a little tightness in my calf muscle. And it got a little bit tighter with every step I took. And I said, just give me a second, guys. i got to tie my shoe. You know, we're here tying my shoe. Trying not to let them know. But they're like, Dad, you're limping. I think, you know, whatever. It kind of came out. I was like, whatever. I still beat him. On one leg, I still beat him. <laughs> but it got me thinking. I wasn't running very hard because I just know the limitation of my body at that point. It's like, man, in just a little bit of action, I pulled a calf muscle. And so, you know, one thing I started doing is just stretching. Just stretching, you know, sometimes when I come here in the mornings, I'm reading my Bible and I've got worship music on, and I like to walk a lot of times when I'm praying. So I've started just stretching when I pray. I don't know if you can multitask that way or not, but it's be, well, my point is being creative. You sit in front of the TV sometimes, stretch, do some push-ups, do some sit-ups, do something, walk around the living room while you're watching TV. Move. That's... You know, there's, there's this play 60 that, that you see sometimes if you watch football on, on Sunday afternoons. It's about getting kids to put down the, the um, video game controller and getting moving 60 minutes a day or 60 minutes a week. I don't, I don't remember what it is, but, but it's a day, right? But, but us moving as people, we've got to move in terms of that. Number three is sleep. And I think sleep is, is very underestimated, it's undervalued, it's not, it's not considered always the most macho or the most cool thing to do in our society, but yet it affects us so much. And I just want to read a little bit out of this book called Margins. Um, I had to read this actually for two classes in seminary, and I think some of you have read it as well. Written by a doctor, Dr. Richard Swenson, and it basically he talks about you have margin on a piece of paper like this for a reason, to make it easier to read. But so many times we operate at the very edge of, of life. And why are we stressed? Why are we burnt out? Why are all these things going on in life? And one thing that he hits on is sleep, the necessity that we need sleep. You know, it's not our bodies, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, I only had four hours of sleep last night and I'm, I'm great, I'm good. Well, God bless those people. Because I realize I need seven to eight hours of sleep. And I also know, when I talk about sleep, I know there's young kids in the house too, and, and there's certain seasons you, ha you have to um, kind of maybe work a little bit on a sleep deficit. But I think he sums it up here. He says, we live in drowsy America where factories, grocery stores, service stations, restaurants are open throughout the night. Culturally and economic forces have turned the U.S. into a 24-hour society. As a result, the average American today gets two and a half hours less sleep per night than 100 years ago. Two and a half hours less per night. Well, that's um, thanks to Edison and the light bulb. Not that saying that's negative, but as a result, people are staying up because they have light. Two and a half hours per night. That's 17, 18 hours a week less than 100 years ago. It goes on to say, um, just talking about a bunch of different things, it says, as a result, people are using more caffeine, more sugar. There's more, there's more drug abuse. More people take sleep medication than the average um, American. Only 15% of teens get the maximum or the minimum recommended eight and a half hours of sleep they need per night. This sleep deficit is additionally linked to other problems such as obesity, attention deficit, depression. Sleep deprivation has become one of the most per pervasive health problems facing the U.S., 
And then he goes on to talk about many people have negative attitudes towards sleep. Often these are very productive people who resent the wasted time. They also tend to be people who need less than average sleep themselves. Unfortunately, this attitude too often forces its way into other bedrooms uninvited. Don't get caught in a web of shame spun by other people. A good night's sleep is not an embarrassment. It's not necessary to feel guilty if you are well rested. Sleep was God's idea. He created the necessity and he grants sleep to people. And so I just want to encourage us, what are your sleep patterns? What are your sleep habits? You know, I know, I know again, there's, there's young people in the house at times and, and they're up once or twice during the night. But for a lot of us, there's, there's this idea that I don't need a lot of sleep because we hear it in the marketplace. We hear it in the neighborhood. And I remember hearing it in college, you know, that, what, you go to bed at 11? Well, that's, you know, things are just starting to go. And, and for me, a lot of my habits changed in college to where I stay up late as a result of college and, and, and started to change those back to get my seven or eight hours of sleep. Where's your sleep pattern? What is your sleep pattern? You know, power naps are, are, are fine too. Maybe you need to take a power nap during the day, a 15 or 20 minute nap. He goes on to talk about over, being careful not to oversleep, not taking a day where you sleep 12, 14, 16 hours to catch up on everything because it can have some effects on your body as well. Sleep, or not sleep, rest. Let's talk about rest as well. You know, God's commanded us to rest. And rest to me is kind of the, the antidote to stress in a lot of ways. Not the only one, but it's a major one. You know, God wants us to take time to be still, to remember, to meditate, to delight in who He is and upon His Word, upon uh, all his, his characteristics. But there's this obstacle that we have in our culture that, again, rest is not always seen as something that's cooler or is good. There's no glory in rest. There's no hero when you're resting in, in those ways. You know, if, if I went home this afternoon and put a swing in my tree in the front yard and just sat there from 12 to 6, I would feel guilty about 12.30. Like, what am I doing? I'm doing nothing. You know, if my phone was in the house and just had nothing, just in the sun, swinging back and forth, my neighbors would probably drive by after an hour or something, and, and then you know, they'd come back and whatever. And they're like, what's he sitting in the swing for doing nothing? So you feel our own pressure, but we also feel external pressure to always be doing something. But sometimes we just need to rest. Sometimes we just need to get away. We need to have a quiet place. We, we need to understand, okay, what's going to bring me rest? Because even on a day like a Saturday or a Sunday, particularly a Saturday, which is a day we're not working, we're still doing a bunch of stuff. You know, we had a day yesterday where um, Nathan had a soccer game, but we were done by 12, and they're like, what are we doing the rest of the day? And, and we had stuff to do around the house, but, and, but really we didn't do too much. We just kind of did whatever. And uh, we ended up having a fire pit and, and eating some, some supper around the fire um, outside for an hour, hour and a half, just, just resting, just having fun. And a lot of times we have to do that as well. We have to make those efforts because it helps us physically, but also emotionally we need a rest. There's so much coming at us from the world. Social media puts a lot out there. Media itself puts a lot out there. And sometimes we just need to unplug from all of that and have a rest. So nutrition, physical exercise, sleep, and rest, I think are key, four key areas when we talk about physical health and wellness. Things we don't always talk about, things that we don't always, uh, especially in the church, talk about, because 
This isn't preaching necessarily. This is just talking and being practical. But we need to examine these parts of our lives and begin to say, am I getting the right sleep? Am I taking time to rest? Am I entering into God's rest? What are my eating habits like? What's my physical activity patterns like? You know, I've heard it said many times that, that we make time for the things that we value and we want to do. I hear people say, well, I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't, I don't have time to do this. It, it takes more money to eat healthy, but I prefer to spend that money up front than on the back end with, with doctor's bills or, or things like that. We take time to do what we want to do. Going back to Romans 12, verse 1, in view of God's mercy, we are to present our bodies our mind, our heart, our physical body, our emotions, our vocation, all these things to God as our spiritual act of worship. And so my encouragement to you is, is find what, what these things are in your life when it pertains to nutrition, physical activity, sleep, and rest, and begin to put in some healthy habits. You don't have to jump across the room today and run a marathon. It's, I'm going to get up and I'm going I'm to walk 15 minutes three days a week. I like soft drinks every day. I'm going to cut them out and, and, and just have one a week or one, one a month. Or I'm going to cut them out completely and start drinking water. It's small steps. Set one or two or three small goals and begin to see what God does. As you step out before long, I had a soft drink um, coming back from the, from the beach last Sunday because I was sleepy when I got back in the car after lunch. And I could barely drink it because it tasted so much like syrup because I'm used to drinking water. I ended up drinking it all because I needed the caffeine. But, but I would, the whole time, I'd be like, oh, this just tastes bad and terrible because it's just changed my taste to where I used to love soft drinks and I don't so much anymore. Let's see what God does as, as we, we make some effort to examine some of these hard parts of our physical activity and wellness within our life. So, Lord, we pray this morning. And we come to you this morning as we talk about physical health and wellness, where we understand that this, this is a, a topic that, that can be sensitive in so many areas. And where I know there's effort that's, that's put forth by so many people here within this body to exercise and to sleep. And sometimes there's just things that, that come at us that just make no sense. And those are spiritual warfare components. And so we pray and we stand against any scheme of the enemy coming to disturb us at night as we sleep or to tempt us with, with food and, or whatever. But Lord, there's also a choice that we make, an active participation in this process. Lord, habits that we've created, habits that, that are not so good or habits that ha don't glorify your name, habits that have, have caused us to sit and not exercise, habits that, that have, have brought in this idea that sleep is not needed as much, that we don't need to rest that we don't need to eat well. And so, Lord, I just ask that you convict each and every one of our hearts in the way that you want to convict them, Holy Spirit. Speak to each and every one of us. Lord, if it's cutting off that TV at night, if it's, it's putting down a book at night so that we can sleep an extra 30 minutes or an hour, so be it. If it's cutting out chocolate or, or, or a meat or something that, that's, that's not the best for us, then, then so be it, Lord. Help us to find time to rest. The business of the world, Lord, tells us also to be busy. 
Help us to set aside times where we just rest in your presence. Where we just rest in you. Where we, where we go and, and we, can, we can do something that's, that's a hobby and, and fun and, and, and in that refreshing. Lord, help us to understand that there's a spiritual component to the way that our physical bodies operate. The way that we take care of our physical bodies. Make it clear to each and every one of us the things that we need to do. Strengthen us to do those. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you to come on Saturday to the seminar, to the workshop. I think um, it, will, it will encourage you. It will shock you. Shock and awe. It will, there will be some things that will shock you. Um, things that I think you, you can take away as well. Next Sunday we have Stephen Hunter who's going to come and share Another component of this is resource formation and a perspective that that he has as well. So I think you'll be encouraged by that. So we are dismissed. Go and have a great afternoon.